episode 30 is finally here, folks. And what an episode it was. Super inspirational. Got a chance to welcome Melissa Ekman, the former accountant turned social media entrepreneur, lifestyle entrepreneur with a focus on yoga, health, wellness, and beauty. And uh, really inspirational, a person that uh, is the epitome of someone following their dreams to live out their truth and and seek their optimal best selves and seek their fullest, truest potential. And uh, you'll hear it in the hour-long interview with Melissa, who joined us live from Los Angeles, California, uh, to shed a light on her story, her career path, and uh, what it takes to succeed in the very competitive world of social media marketing, internet marketing, branding, etc. So without further ado, please welcome the one and only Melissa Ekman. The Optimal Life. First off, I want to just say thank you for being here and thank you for giving me your time to uh, to check in with us all the way from, where, where are you now? Are you out in Los Angeles? Yeah, I live in West Hollywood, so... Live from Los Angeles, <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for having me. It's, I'm so inspired by the show you've created and all of the great people you've been having on. So I'm honored to be here today. Well, I am equally as honored to have you. And uh, yeah, you know, I was just thinking, wow, it'd be nice to hear Melissa's story because so many people I feel like want to do what you've done and never actually pulled the trigger to do it. And what I mean by that is I think a lot of people get caught in a rut or get caught in doing um, things that they thought maybe they were going to do their whole lives in terms of a career or profession. And then when it comes time to, uh, you know, you get into that real world and you start working, you realize, wait a second, this might not be exactly what I thought it was going to be, or I've changed and I've grown and I want to do something else. And, And from what I've seen of you, you've done that. So um, I want to get into that, and, and let's start back with where you, you know your professional path, your journey. Uh, back in, you started off in accounting, right? Yeah, so I worked in accounting for I think over six years, and I started off at a big firm. I was with Price Waterhouse Coopers, and then I went on to a publicly traded company. And you know, it wasn't it wasn't that I didn't love what I was doing. I actually really enjoyed accounting, and I still do. As a business owner, it's so important to know about accounting and all of that stuff. So, um, so you know, it's still so important. But I think what ended up happening is I never realized that there were other ways in life that you could make money or what it meant to be an entrepreneur. So, just you know, I think when that passion and creativity was unlocked for me, there was really no going back. Right. Right. So when when you when you did that, you go go back a little bit too. So you went off to college. Where'd you go to school? I went to Florida Atlantic University in Boca Raton, Florida, and I did my undergrad and master's in accounting there. And I loved I loved learning about accounting in school. So I kind of always knew that's what I wanted to go to school for because I knew it was going to be a great foundation, and I'd always have a job, which was important to me. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> And that was the safe route to go, right? I mean, that's 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 one of those things that's okay. This is going to give me a, a career path, and like you said, the steady the steady paycheck, the steady income. So you went off there to school, and then uh, once you got into the accounting world, um, how long until you started realizing maybe maybe there was something else out there for you? Well, I think what started to happen is. Um, you know, public accounting can really wear on you. Sometimes you're working over 80 hours a week and there's just not a lot of work-life balance. And so after about three years doing that, I, I think it's not that I realized I wanted to do something else, but I realized that having a lack of work-life balance was something that I just wasn't cut out for. And I did it and I put my time in, but I just didn't want to live a life where I was you know, away from my house for so long. Mm -hmm. So I switched over to a different company. And my dad, you know, he always makes this statement. He was so right. He was worried I was, you know, going out of the frying pan back into the frying pan, you know, thinking that it would be better. And it, it was the same. I realized that I was just kind of going through the motions and I wasn't challenge and I was you know I just was automating processes and cutting my workload down and I just felt like I was in like the rat race I was in a I was like a hamster in the turning circle and I just felt really I felt really trapped 
Sure. And, and so that that's you're in the working world for what, maybe a couple of years at that point? Yeah, so probably like maybe like four years at that point. Four years. And you're going through it and you're 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 realizing, okay, you don't have that See, for me, the biggest one of the biggest things that people can do for themselves uh, professionally is there's no such there's no value when it comes to time. There's no value when it comes to the freedoms that you have or when you have flexibility in a schedule. I mean, that is a tremendously valuable thing that I, I believe that when you're in a, a service industry, maybe such as accounting or even a manufacturing industry or so many jobs and careers. You don't have necessarily the flexibility that that you desire, and I assume the flexibility thing was one of those things. That when you said you're in that rat race and you're you're rushing to work and you're fighting the traffic, and then you go in and you're uh, you know, papers paperwork on top of paperwork, the nine to five and, and dealing with all those things. I, I assume you started realizing, hey, I, I want something that's maybe a little bit more flexible. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, no, you totally hit the nail on the head. But I think the hard thing is. Or, you know, like in hindsight is 2020. Like, I think at the time, I didn't think to myself, I want something more flexible because I didn't know any other way. I, you know, I'm a really hard worker. And for me, it was like, this was my career. This was the path I had chosen. So I didn't think there was another way that I could be successful or make the money that I was making. And so I think for me, I just felt, I felt like stuck, but I didn't know how to change it. And that's when, and that's why I think I, you know, been so successful now is because my career has been such a progression. I didn't decide one day I'm just going to up and leave my job, which kind of transitions into, I guess, the next phase. But, um, you know, I started taking exercise classes, you know, once or twice a day at this bar studio that I loved. And they, you know, they thought that I was like a dancer and I wasn't. I just really enjoyed it and I became pretty good at it. And they asked if I would want to teach. But, I had never considered myself like an exercise instructor or someone that could lead an exercise class. Um, Looking or seeing me now, you wouldn't think that's possible. But back then, (laughs) I was just—I was just a shy accountant. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, um, so kind of taking on that—I called it like an extracurricular. I would teach at six thirty a.m. before work. It really unlocked this passion and creativity I never knew I had in me, and then that's when I started to realize I wanted something different in my life. Oh, that's amazing! I remember you were teaching what near Boca, right? Yeah, so I taught. So actually, the studio for those listening who don't know, like um, where Boca Raton is, um, I was teaching at a studio that was that had just opened that was 30 minutes north of the Boca Raton studio. So they didn't have an opening there. So I would get up at, you know, I lived above the one in Boca and I didn't care. I got up every day at 545 in the morning and I drove to the one that was 30 minutes north because that's where they could have me teach. <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. This is, so this is the really the beginning for you where you start going, okay, I'm, I'm feeling... A new sense of happiness. What was it? Uh, a euphoric feeling, like this is really enjoyable. Uh, I'm maybe yeah. not so happy at work. Yeah, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it was like one of those feel. Like I, I've, I've never been a passionate person. I would say, like I always just kind of did things because I like. You know, I didn't have like anything in me that, like any hobbies or activities that I was obsessed with. And it was one of those things where I would teach any opportunity I could. If we had a Monday off because it was Memorial Day weekend, I would cover all the classes. Like, any chance I would get, I would want to be at the studio. And if I wasn't teaching, I wanted to be taking class. And if I wasn't taking class, I wanted to be, like, researching more ways to make my class better. <laughs> wow. And you're, going, and you're going, wait a second, I'm not feeling the, the exact same passion towards my work every day, right? <laughs> Yeah, and you know, other people didn't either, and what I started to notice is it wasn't so much about the, like, teaching the class, I loved the workout, but it was about the effect I was having on people, Uh. and so when I would meet someone, I would say, oh, you know, I'm a CPA, and they'd be like, oh, wow, cool, and then I'd say, oh, and I also teach bar classes, and they would be like, oh, my God, I'm like, my back hurts, I'm trying to get in shape, and people wanted to talk to me about that, and I realized like what health and wellness and fitness and just like being there for people in that way, you just have such a bigger impact on people's lives. 
And it made me feel great to like be changing people's lives every day wow. in such a small way. Wow, that's that's really that's really something. So you started doing the bar thing. You're living in Florida. You've got a great job. Everything on the outside, I imagine, seems seems fantastic, right? <laughs> Everything, everyone's going. This is great. Your dad's probably like, "This is phenomenal," and, and you're you're you've you've got a little bit of everything, so you you should be enjoying. What what happens at that point for you to start thinking about moving out, moving away? So actually, the moving away came. So you have to. So one thing to kind of know about me as a person is I'm a very practical person, and I sometimes wish I was like the person that could just throw all the papers off my desk and be like, "I quit. I'm moving to Los Angeles." But <laughs> I. But unfortunately, that's just not the type of person I am. So basically, I start to. So I guess the the next natural transition was um, was social media, and for me at the time, I didn't know what blogging was. I didn't know that there was a career as being an influencer or anything like that. And I just I loved getting to the studio early, and I loved sharing what I was doing in class to people in the outside world. So I would get to the studio early. I would prop my phone up, and I would take like videos of me like in the studio or like doing something doing something and putting motivational quotes with it which later transitioned to me doing that on the beach with yoga um which was a natural transition but I I'm definitely a business person as much as I am a creative person so for me it was like you know I want to reach people who do pure bar which was the name of the studio I was teaching at. I want to reach those people all over the country so I was like, I want to be known as the Pure Bar instructor all over Instagram. So I would sit and I would go to different Pure Bar Studios pages and I would like connect with them. I would connect with their clients. And then before I knew it, I was slowly growing this like community of people who love Pure Bar as much as I did. And it was just purely because I was obsessed with Pure Bar. (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. You know what? That's such a good point, though, because you know, you recognized, hey, I've got to do something different to stand out. I've got to find a niche amongst these thousands and thousands of quote-unquote fitness influencers or runners or these people that are all kind of a, a dime a dozen. It sounds like what you're doing was carving out a, a little niche for yourself. Yeah, I just wanted to um, reach more people. And I knew, you know, at, in a physical brick-and-mortar location where it's a 25 maximum people in class you can, and you're only teaching four or five times a week, you can only reach so many people and as a marketing person and a business person and as someone who wants to reach more people I'm like okay well where where do I go and at the time Instagram this was like back in 2013 or yeah I was just gonna I was gonna ask you when when did this all start yeah 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 this was like in 2013 and I really didn't know a lot about Instagram besides I used it to like wish my friends happy birthday and share like outfit selfies so like I really didn't know much about it from a business perspective but I just figured hey there's all these people on here I'm gonna find a way to reach them (laughs) that's great yeah you know what I I think Instagram was still relatively I mean you're going back five years I think it was still relatively new at that time yeah at least, people, the, at least the effects of it. yeah, at least the effects of it, right? The the influence on there was not nearly what it what it is now. Yeah, and I think if this was like a movie, like you would see, like there was people in LA at the time who were already in the industry, you know, working with brands and making a full time living out of it. But I like living in South Florida, kind <laughs> of on an and no one was doing that, so I didn't I didn't know that was even a real thing. Right, right. So you're doing that. You're starting to put and yourself also, up. Yeah, go ahead. And also, this is a, a good thing to know. Also, like at, at the time, Pure Bar was getting the best clothes in the activewear industry. They were really the ones that helped put Aloe Yoga on the map and all that stuff. And so we had everything in the studio. So I would get there early and I would put on like the best workout outfits and I would tag the brands. And so the brands started reposting me. And so that was cool too. And I didn't even know what I was doing, but I was like, "Hey, I have all, I have a wardrobe. I have the whole retail space to change into." <laughs> yeah, and you're going. Wait a second. I'm I'm having an impact. People are paying attention. I'm feeling good because I'm helping my clients and, and these these customers that are coming to see me. And now I'm starting to spread my reach to other people that might not be able to come to class, but I could still influence in a way. 
you were probably starting to feel all those those positive feelings which you weren't getting from work. So take us through that. I mean, take us through what what what's next and, and when do you start realizing that that there really is maybe a potential business to be to be made out of this? Well, yeah, and I'm, that's a great point. And I, I actually started to feel like, I mean, we're going, we're kind of, tr- you know, traveling through the years because it was probably two years that I, I was, my life was crazy. I was um, teaching bar as often as possible. I was working sixty hours a week as a CPA. Holy I shit. signed, I signed with a modeling agency in South Florida to get some print work to like get some more photos for my page because local South Florida companies started to reach out to me to do modeling. Um, and I was starting another blog, Yogspiration, which is my other platform. So it was about two years that I was burning the candle at both ends. And I started to feel like I was living a double life. And at the time, everything else was just a hobby. So besides my real job, I wasn't really making, I mean, very minimal money um, with all my other things. And so I, so I kind of was like, okay, do I leave my job for something that's not secure or do I stay and keep this as a hobby? And I think that was where I was really at the crossroads of, you know, where where is this going? And luckily, my sister is also a blogger and she had quit her full-time job to work on her blog full-time and she kind of sat me down and said, you know, if you're going to do it and you think you have something here, just do it. And, you know, it was a lot of life soul searching because I had never been unemployed. I'd never not had a job. I was making great money. I had bought my first house. Um, You know, I had a great 401k from working for six years, like all those things that you think you're supposed to have in life. And I'm like, I'm going to, I was a, I was a management position at a publicly traded company with stock options. Like I felt like I was kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure and the, I'm sure 99% of everyone else did too, so. Yeah, and the hard thing was is a lot of people thought I was crazy because um so basically kind of jumping a little but um when I decided to move out to LA, I decided to do my yoga teacher training first because I was talking a lot about yoga on my page and I realized I wasn't certified. So a lot of people were like, "Oh, so you're just you're quitting your your big, fancy, full-time career to be a yoga teacher, which there's nothing wrong with being just a yoga teacher, but people put such, like, a negative connotation on it, and it made me feel horrible about myself. Like, I was a loser, a failure. Like, that's how people made me feel, and it was really tough. Sure, sure. So, uh, in that in that regards, what do you do what, – what did you do to, to handle that, 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 I don't know, backlash or the naysayers? I mean, how did you handle that mentally? You know, I think when I moved out to L.A. for the first month, I was in yoga teacher training from 8 to 5, and I really, I didn't, I don't want to say I closed myself off, but I didn't post a lot on social media. I didn't interact with two, like, you know, kind of friends who, friends or people that were just acquaintances that I did, you know, that weren't, that aren't my friends today, you know, people that, people just fall off, and I think if people don't understand your journey, that's okay. It's not theirs to understand, and I knew I came out here with a very specific mindset and mission and I wasn't going to let anyone affect me. And I think physically removing myself from South Florida and a lot of toxic situations, I, you know, you just don't, I think physically being away from that, it really changes your mindset. Yeah. I, I got to tell you though, you're in South Florida, you had everything going on. Now when you, you're, you were single at this moment in your life or were you in a, in a relationship? Well, I was, um, so basically I moved out here in December and in about uh, around August September I was going through a breakup with someone that I had been dating for about I was like two and a half three years mm-hmm. um, so that was that was definitely tough and um, you know that was hard too was of course like you have other people that don't understand like you're posting yourself on social media all the time you're making a spectacle of yourself and then you know living with someone and dating someone who rightfully so didn't understand it either and you know, you just—I definitely didn't feel accepted at home. I didn't feel accepted by a lot of people I knew. So it was definitely—I don't know. Like looking back, I feel like it maybe bothered me, but I—I I feel like I was so focused and so happy with sure. what I was doing. I kept trucking forward. Well, you felt it, and you—you you knew that there was something there, and there was something to pursue. But 
I got to tell you, this is the point when you're in Florida and you you're you're doing all the soul searching and you've been doing this thing kind of for two years now with the with the social media and the pure bar and the fitness the wellness the yoga um i i I mean where what's the moment what's that what's that moment where you where the switch just goes off and you actually just say i'm going to do it like how do you make that decision and then who do you go and who do you talk to what what is that like Yeah, so my sister and I had made a trip out to Los Angeles in August, or it was like over Labor Day weekend, so it was a long weekend um, towards the end of August, beginning of September, and um, everyone knew I loved LA. I was going to LA all the time, and I don't know what it was I loved about it. I was just, I always wanted to come out here. I I didn't know that many people here. I just loved coming here. I would hit all the Pure Bar studios, all the yoga studios, like go to all my favorite spots. And I just loved it. So I planned a trip out here with my sister and you know, your family, you know, you have, you have wonderful siblings. So you know how your family wants the best for you. And my sister kind of pulled me aside. We were with her friend too, but she pulled me aside and she's like, you know, I have to tell you, she's like, I've never seen like the real Melissa. And I feel like seeing you out here, you're so happy. You love it out here. And she's like, I don't care like what you have to do. Like you have to move out here. And it, it kind of shook me to my core a little bit to hear. My sister and I at, were best friends now, but at the time we were close, but not close enough to have a conversation to talk about, you know, my deep, deep underlying happiness. Right, and um, right. and it, it kind of made me a little nervous that so many people had seen my happiness deteriorating over the years. And then she kind of saw it like reignite when I was here. So I kind of went back and I talked to my dad. And at first I was going to get another job out here. I interviewed with... Um, Boeing Go and the Honest Company for accounting positions. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get myself there with an accounting job. And I'm really lucky to have a dad who's an entrepreneur and understands the power of following your dreams. And he said to me, he's like, you know, he's like, I don't think you should get a job out there. He's like, I think you should try to figure this out. And so everyone really deterred me from, like, I was thought I was going to come out. I thought I was just going to change my life, like come out here, get another financial reporting job. Right. And, and my dad's like, why would you do that? He's like, don't do that. <laughs> I got to tell you, though, for your dad to say that to you, I, I feel like that is extremely, extremely unique uh, for a parent, especially to be that so supportive and just basically say, hey, go for it get give up this other stuff that you've been doing and, and just go out there and go for it I, I think that's a very very rare approach yeah you know I I think my dad I, I think the hard thing is is like something I'm kind of like saying but maybe I'm not like something that was kind of going on is everyone felt I was really unhappy uh, and my family mm. is just so supportive and I think my dad just felt anything to get you out of like what's going on here like nothing crazy was going on I just wasn't happy I think I was in a relationship I wasn't happy in. I was in a job I wasn't happy in and I think at the end of the day any family just wants any parents just wants their child to be happy and he's like sure you know and he knows I'm the thing is is I've proven myself to him I've worked six years in a professional industry I have a degree and I think for him he was like I think he almost wanted me to, you know, to be hungry a little bit so that I would, I, he knew if I was a little bit hungry, I would be really successful because everything's always been so cushy. You know, you get a great job and all those things, you don't have to worry as much. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And uh, I think that's the best advice. I think that when you have people that are there, especially family members, people that you confide in, that you can trust, that are having your back. Like like your father did, for example, that that had to make your transition out to LA so much easier than yeah. than than had he had he been resistant or telling you stay put in your in your you know in your little cozy office down there in Florida. Yeah, and of course, it's like it was the hardest on my parents because they basically moved to South Florida because. Um, they basically moved to South Florida because I moved down there. So they were living there full time now. I got to be with my grandma, my parents. And I think for them, it was the hardest because they didn't want me to go. But I think that they knew, I think they, I think one day I'll be back in South Florida, but they knew I had to come out here to live whatever crazy dream I was having. Absolutely. So, so, okay. So you say that's it. You're going out, you're going out to Florida. I mean, from Florida to uh, LA 
And what is this now, like 2015, 2016? When, when exactly was that? Yeah, this was the end of 2015. Okay, so end of 2015. So two and a half years ago, approximately, you make the move to Los Angeles. You, now you go out and you find like what, like a little one-bedroom apartment? So actually, there was a little bit of drama with my apartment. <laughs> um, so basically, I was really lucky in the sense I'm I'm really... I'm an accountant, so I'm really budget-friendly and savvy. So I had saved money over the years, and I had bought my house, so I sold my house. So I knew basically, like, just, you know, talking in terms of finance, I had basically, like, six months to live without making any money before I needed to worry. So I was like, okay, I have six months to get, like, set, or I have a month to really get settled in, but I knew that... I had saved enough and I had worked hard enough. That's why it took so long is because I wanted to make sure I didn't need to have a job right away when I came out here. Um, and so I found an apartment. Um, so I flew out here. I found an apartment and um, I found this great one bedroom. And the cost of living in L.A. is much higher than South Florida. And that was a little bit of a shock, too, because you know, I had a number in mind on what I wanted to spend. And I went over to Santa Monica and I realized I wouldn't be able to get anything for that. So a friend suggested, a friend I went to high school with was with me that lives out here. And she's like, oh, you should look in West Hollywood. So I popped into my apartment building and I was so inspired. I do, I still live in that building and I shoot all my photos here. It was just like, wow. it, was, wow. it, it was like, it was the second building I looked at. Isn't that really, amazing? Like, Isn't that amazing? You, you, you could have looked at probably a hundred properties after and you would have come back to that same one. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, yeah. So I was so excited because I moved up the closing on my house, all this stuff, and basically um, they had a legal battle with the person that was in my unit and they couldn't get him out or he left. He abandoned the property with all of his furniture in it. So basically as I'm boarding the plane with my dog, you know, with my suitcase, they're like, uh, I mean, that's a little dramatic. It was like maybe a couple days before. They were like, you can't move in. I like I like the uh, boarding the airplane that, that same day. Let's just, <laughs> let's stick with that story. Yeah, so I'm boarding <laughs> the plane. I get the call. <laughs> and they're like, you can't move in. And so luckily, so um, about a month before I moved, um, I had met my fiancé. Or not met him. I've known my fiancé for seven or eight years. But we reconnected. And we had been talking over the phone, and he knew I was moving out here, and we had gotten really close. Like, we weren't, you know, we weren't saying we were, like, officially dating, but I knew I had found someone that, that was basically my soulmate. Wow. And I was going to get an Airbnb, and he's like, you know, you're more than welcome to stay here. And I had met him, like, three times in person. Like, I was like, I don't, I like, you know, when you're dating someone, you want to, like, go through the phases of, like not seeing you with, or like not having to see you without makeup or all that right, stuff. I'm right, right, right. like, Oh, this is like so crazy. And, but you know what? There's something about him and I've known him for a long time. He wasn't like a stranger. And so Brady and I stayed with him. Um, and, and I learned how little material things you need in life. I went there with one suitcase and Brady and I really ended up, Brady's my dog. We ended up staying there for almost two months until I, wow. in March, in March, oh. so January is when I got there, really, and then in March is when I finally moved into my place. Hey, I, I got to tell you, whatever your fiance's name, what's his name? Harry. Harry, Harry, I got to say, if Harry's listening to this, eventually, uh, maybe it was that 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 was that fate there where uh, you weren't supposed to move into that apartment. Maybe things would have been different. Who knows? It's so true. <laughs> Harry got lucky. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, moving in or like, staying with him. It was, you know, it just made me realize that soon on how compatible, how compatible we are, what a great person he is. Like, I just oh, like, great. I enjoyed that time so much. It was probably like looking back and like, that was one of the best times of my life. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing how that was meant to work out that way. And now you're in that apartment that you were supposed to be in from the get go. Well, I was, and now, so I, I finally moved in. And then once I moved in, I was never leaving because I love my building and then Harry had kind of like an open lease on his place. And so when my lease was up on that place, we moved into a two bedroom in this place. And it was actually right down the hall. So we just like, we literally wheeled my couch on a wheelie. Like that's how we, yeah. we are two 
down. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So you're down in LA. You're like, this is phenomenal. You're with Harry. You guys are enjoying. You're feeling comfortable. I'm sure you're meeting people. All right. So you don't have a job officially, like you said. The the paycheck's gone. The 401k's no longer there. But you've got you've got some leverage. You've got some a bridge to kind of make this thing happen. So now, what do you start doing with this social media internet thing? Yeah, so I did, so like I said, I did my yoga teacher training the first month. Literally, it was the first time in my life I did not make one, like didn't make a penny. I've been working since I was like 12 years old. I've worked all through college. I'm like, I literally did not make a cent. Did my yoga teacher training. And then after my yoga teacher training, I took some time to travel. I went to New York and I spent some time with, I have two of my best friends live in New York. I spent some time with them staying at their house with their new children and then I went to Florida and I went to Chicago. I just wanted to spend time with people. I felt like, I feel like I wanted to harness the really great relationships I had in my life. So for about, I think maybe like three weeks, I traveled in February. And then when I got back, I said, okay, it's time to figure this out. And luckily at the time, social media had been growing a bit in the sense where I was getting emails from brands looking to work together but nothing major it was just like you know a couple couple dollars here and there and um a few things fell into place I ended up signing with my modeling agency Wilhelmina which was you know for me at the time or still is but at the time was a huge break for me um that someone saw my potential and I just kind of put my time and I did a lot of free photo shoots around LA before that with some brands. I met with a lot of brands. I set up meetings and I worked aggressively on my platform and I just kind of worked. Like I just got up every day and I was like, okay, time to work. <laughs> yeah. And, and when you say work, you're just putting your, you're, you're doing different creative things. You're testing out the Instagram, uh, the social media things. You're putting yourself out there. Are you starting to do, do more of like, like, what did you start doing more and more of? Was it more Instagram related? Was it YouTube? Talk about that. Yeah, so, so, so Instagram is, was definitely my like my platform of choice. Um, so basically, what I say when I say I put in work is, I think nothing becomes a full time business until you treat it like a full time business. So I would wake up and it was like I think for any Instagram, if you want to grow, um, is consistency and content. So I would get up every day. I would shoot content, and at the time, I didn't have anyone to help me, so I, you know, had to get comfortable with a lot of tripods. Um, I made some friends who also did what I did, so we would meet up and help each other shoot photos. I would set up meetings with brands that I thought might want to shoot with me or might want to work with me, and I would meet with people, and I would just engage, like, all day long, because a big part of growth is engaging with your community and engaging with people who may want to be a part of your community. Um, and back at this time, you're back in like early 2016. Uh, give us an idea of what, how many, roughly how many, what was your following like at that time? Yeah, so when I moved out to LA, I had about 18,000 followers, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, is a, is a good number. Um, of course, LA is highly competitive with bloggers because you're also dealing, or not dealing with, you're also competing against celebrities and all these people. So right. really, um, you're a small fish in a big pond in LA, whereas in some other markets, you know, you can be a big fish in a small pond. And for me though, it's never been about competing with other people. I know people who have small followings who do great and they have a great community. And so I think for me, it was just kind of realizing I need to be laser focused and not look at what anyone else is doing and just, you know, not care about the follower count. Like my goal wasn't like, I need to grow, grow, grow. My goal was I need to make more valuable content for my followers and I need to build a community that of like-minded people that want to share in this journey with me that's that's great and so that you were doing the Instagram was your prime focus where you starting to get into more YouTube or blogging like you know article writing what what was that like yeah so for me I love YouTube and it's something I'm you know that didn't come later that I really felt passionate about video work but for me I I have another platform, Yokespiration, which is also Instagram-based. And so for me, I was having a hard time making a full-time living out of Melisfit, which is my other platform. So I have this other page, Yokespiration, that had grown. That had about 50,000 followers when I moved out here. And I had this idea for yoga tanks. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to get these yoga tanks made, and I'm going to see how they do. So that was kind of what I worked on from, like, May to 
May to August of that first year out here because I wasn't making a lot of money through Melissa and I'm a hustler so I'm like I got to figure something out so I came out with these tank tops and they did so great and it was so fun I learned a lot about retail I learned that I don't want to be in retail so <laughs> uh, but you know it was really great and then uh, and so like that's what and I'm you're like selling those you you were just what through the website oh I learned how to do everything like yeah, yeah I, I had to learn how to set up like my own e-commerce platform. I had to learn. I was my own shipping department. Right, I was my own right. inventory storage department. Like I learned how to do everything. And what I realized is retail is a full-time business. Were you so, using Shopify? What? Oh, I, you, you know, I use Squarespace. But Squarespace, I, if I was yeah. going to continue with it, I would have switched over to Shopify. Yeah, Shopify seems to be pretty popular across like multiple platforms. Yeah, and what's great about Shopify too, which if anyone out there is interested in building an e-commerce platform is they have a lot of drop shipping options so you can like sell things to your store that you don't even own or are on inventory just to fill up your store and you get paid just by keeping it on your storefront wow yeah it's interesting so, so i had to learn all these different ways to make money because i wasn't making a lot of it <laughs> so you're making money in retail that's first summer of 16 in los angeles and you did that just through like the end of the summer yeah, so I did that, and, you know, I was still doing some other stuff, too. Like, I was booking some modeling jobs, which was great, and I was doing some repost ads on Yokespiration. I was doing some small sponsorships through Melisfit, um, and then, you know, just, like, getting into the full detail of, of the whole journey, and then in August, um, my fit modeling agent found me through Instagram, which was great. It came at the right time, and fit modeling which I don't know if um, people listening know what that is because I didn't, is basically when you have the right measurements for brands to use you as a basis for designing their clothes. So um, my fit agent found me through my Instagram. and She's like, I don't want to sound creepy, but you have the perfect measurements for fit modeling. Would you be interested? And at the time, I, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to you know, continue to live if I don't make money. So I casually <laughs> met with her and... I ended up fitting for Revolve full-time. Wow. I was Revolve's full-time fit model. I was Kendall and Kylie's full-time fit model. Um, I was Joie, Frame Denim, so many different brands. Um, so that ended up, like, that was, like, kind of my savior while I, and it gave me the flexibility to really grow my platforms and to wait until that was at the right spot. And then I, I was, then I knew I'd be ready to monetize. So, how long were you doing that for, the fit modeling? So, I did fit modeling for about a year, Okay. and it, it, it definitely burned me out a little bit. Um, luckily, like, there were some other great things that came up in the meantime. I was doing some on-set um, training for Fabletics for um, the models, or, you know, what, you know, I was doing some cool stuff. I was still modeling, still doing some brand sponsorships, but then... It was a nice natural progression, and I always say this to people. I think people's biggest mistakes in the social media space is they monetize too soon. Right. And I feel like it gave me the luxury of having not having to take every opportunity that came my way to promote on my Instagram page. <clears throat> so I was able to keep my content really you know, fresh and unique to me and not just having to be like, I have to make money, I have to do brand sponsorships, and I really enjoyed that. That's a really good point because if you look at some of these girls or guys on Instagram and, and you see them posting with a, a watch brand or some clothing brand, you just know that they're, they're just getting whatever's coming their way and, and that's great, but uh, on the flip side of it is if you ultimately see a bigger picture and a larger brand potential down the road, that, that's, gonna do, that that's not going to help your brand six months, 12 months, two years down the road. Exactly. And I couldn't agree more. I think that the, the the thing that, like for me, if I started just monetizing at 18,000 when I first moved to LA, um, I wouldn't have grown as much as I have. And I think that's sometimes it's hard because these opportunities are coming your way. But what ends up happening is all of your time and energy shifts to creating content for brands instead of creating content that adds value to your community or that could continue to grow your page. So you end up making you end up making a sacrifice because right. if you're not 100% of your time growing, you're spending 100% of your time 
creating content for brands and you're getting paid, but you're not building your community to one day achieve something bigger. Absolutely. So you're in middle of 2017 now. You've been there for a year and a half. Uh, you're done with the, the, the fit modeling. What happens now where things start to take off and, and what are you doing to start monetizing? How does that all work? Well, it was kind of like the, it was like the same story, different day um, mm-hmm. in the sense where I was burning the candle at both ends because when I got into fit modeling, so anything I do, I do 110% and I have a very hard time saying no to money um, in the sense of like, if it's something that, you know, like I try to be a million places at once and please everybody. And so what ended up happening is I was fitting almost five days a week, full time. It was like a full time job. Oh, that had to be exhausting. Yeah, and I was, I wasn't happy. I yeah. was, you know, I was, I was really unhappy, but I didn't want to let people down. Like everyone loved having me there. I was making great money. My, my fit agent, who I still talk to a, a lot, she's just the most wonderful person ever. I just didn't want to let anyone down, but I was getting all of this brand work that I wanted to do that I was passionate about. And I wanted to do all of these. I had all of these concepts for content. So what I would do is I would get home around, I would fit from, I have to leave my house at like 7.30. I'd get home around 3. And then my best friend, who still works with me, my best friend Nick, would come over and we would shoot all of my content. So once we were done shooting around 6, 7 o'clock, I would stay up and edit all night. And then I would like, then I would post that. Like, it was just this vicious cycle. And I felt exhausted. So finally, I felt comfortable enough with where I was with Melissa. At that point, you know, my page was growing. I was working with more brands that I was really passionate about, and I was like, you know, it's time. It's time to move on from this. So, at that point, what do you have? Like a hundred thousand followers now, or was that too? Is yeah. That- well, so so I guess it's important to state for like you know for people listening, it's important to state what started to happen. So what started to happen is I started to create viral content without knowing it, and when I was creating viral content, my page started growing rapidly. Like I was jumping, I would post. So I started doing these yoga tips. I noticed that there wasn't good yoga information on Instagram. So I called my fiance and I was like, I have this crazy idea. I was like, I want to show like a bad form pose and then a good form pose and share with people from a yoga teacher's perspective what I'm seeing, why it's wrong and how you can fix it. He's like, oh babe, I think that sounds great. Like you should do that. I'm like, I don't know. It's so different from what I'm posting. I'm like, you know, like, it's so silly looking back, but I was nervous. He's like, he's like, just do it. So I put up my tripod. I'm like, I love my tripod. I put up my tripod. I did the image. I put it together. And I noticed there were some images like that out there, but the quality wasn't great. So I was like, I'm going to make this look chic. I'm going to make it look really cute and really accessible for people. So I did it. I sent it to my fiance before I posted it. I was like, what do you think about this? He's like, I think this is great, babe. Like, I love everything you do. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, okay. In case so, you needed that extra push, Harry was there for you. Yeah. So this was this was probably in this is probably like towards the end of 2016, I would say. So I posted it, and something happened that had never happened to me before. I had a photo go viral, and when you have a photo go viral, it's like I mean, I can't even explain it. It got over 60,000 likes or something like that, 40,000 likes. And at the time, I was getting like 500 likes. So wait, like, so wait, 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 this fire, you're talking about a photo just on Instagram alone? Yes. Oh my gosh. It, it, it How does that happen? So now I'm like, I'm obsessed with social media. So I like try to figure <laughs> these things out. So it's hard to know how it, so basically how Instagram works. And a lot of people knock the algorithm, but the algorithm is actually, if you know how to, if you know how the algorithm works, you can understand how how a photo can go viral. So basically, what ended up happening is this photo, so so many of the things happened. People started tagging their friends on it. They started sharing it. They started, you can like save photos. They were saving it. But more importantly, so when you have a photo, say you post a photo, and say it's like, say you're posting photos all the time. They're getting between you know, 400 to 500 likes. That's like your average. And then you post a photo that's like really good or really engaging. So it's like, you know, it's going to do better than a normal photo. It's like you skydiving out of a plane or something crazy. So then me who say, say your photos don't always show up my feed, but say at that exact moment, I happen to be on Instagram and your incredible photo showed up. 
So I go ahead and like it. And maybe I don't always like your photos because they don't always show up or I'm not always on when you're posting. Now this photo gets pushed to anyone that follows me. It might show up in their Discover page because I liked it. So then someone else goes, so because the photo is so great and engaging, they're like, what is that photo? They open it up. They like it because they're like, this is so cool. They tag a friend. I want to do this. Now your photo shows up on their Discover page to all of their followers. And the and the domino effect begins. And it's crazy. Wow. Wow. That had to be absolutely. How, how many people did that photo reach? Were you able to see? So I didn't have my Instagram account as a business then. So I couldn't. Ah. But I will tell you now. So my tips are my, high, my highest engaging posts. And my tips sometimes reach over a million people. Wow, that's incredible. That, that had to be so, just so wild for you. You're like, what the hell is going on with this picture? <laughs> it, it, I was so baffled that yeah. um, it was basically, the first one I ever did was me in a backbend. And I was so, you know, for me it was like inspiring because I'm like, wow, people really need more yoga information. I'm like, people need help. And so... So for me, it was cool, but I think from that one post, I grew like 12,000 followers, That's and insane. That, that was crazy. That's insane. So you're, you're picking it up, and then, okay, so how, how do you start to monetize? Are brands contacting you? Are you contacting them, or is it a mix of both? So I always say it is so difficult in the sense that it's very hard to contact a brand and then have them pay you. So it really is the sense brands 90 Brands 99% of the time will contact me, um, but I always say to people, you know, a lot of people, they want to know, how do I work with brands, or how do I, you know, what do, what do I do? And I always tell people, I know people don't want to hear this, but just do you, and then the right brands that think they fit with your page, they'll send you an email, they'll come to you, and you also have to know, like, I think, too, is you have to know how to run a business, so when a brand reaches out, it can go so many different ways. But if you know how to articulate your value and what services you can provide, that's what, like people have money to spend. You just have to tell them how to spend it or why they're spending it. I think a lot of the times people just think, oh, I have a following, pay me. But it's like, well, why are they paying you? What value are you adding? Like, what, like who's your community? What kind of content do you create? Like, right. are they getting extra images? Are they getting all this stuff? So, I think what I did is I wanted to make sure when a brand reached out to me, I knew how I was going to respond to them and make sure that they knew working with me was going to be valuable and I'm, and that they would really enjoy the experience. And the engagement is an is important piece to it as well, right? It's not just the following. It's it's, it's how engaged, like, kind of like you were saying, how engaged are you with your audience and vice versa, correct? Yes, totally. And I think, I think that's the thing is everyone wants to play the numbers game, but realistically if you have you know 5,000 followers but a hundred percent engagement everyone that follows you is engaging with you you may have better engagement than someone who has 70,000 followers and that makes you more valuable especially if your following is more niche so even though I've grown bigger I've made sure to keep my following very niche so my following is 84 85 percent women um, you know in specific areas who love specific things so for me I feel like when a brand wants to work in that specific demographic, they know who they're they know who they're working with, um, or they know who they're reaching on my page. Oh, that's beautiful. That's that's incredible. So the, the the brands are reaching out to you, and you're being selective. I I mean, how do these campaigns work? If you can shed some light on that, and not to get into the details of what what kind of money you're making, but what is what is the potential out there? How small might these campaigns be? And, and what are some of the larger campaigns that you've heard about? Yeah, and, and so I think it's important to know, um, like, it's not so black and white. And so it's not like every campaign, like, every campaign isn't the same. And I think, so it can be very straight, it can be very cut and dry where a brand is doing a certain push. So say, say a brand um, is coming out with a new product, and they... They'll usually they work through a lot of agencies, so they'll go to an, a marketing agency, just like you would go to a marketing agency for you know if you were going to a magazine or a commercial. So they go to a magazine that special or a magazine an agency that specializes in digital marketing, and they'll say, "Hey, we're launching this new product. We want to work with fifty influencers. Here are the hashtags. Here are the tags. Um, like who who can you suggest to us?" And so then they'll 
search through their database or search out into the internet. They'll let the brand know about certain influencers. They'll approve them. And then you get an email from you. I mean, I've worked with brands directly, but I feel like on a lot of the cut and dry ones, it's through an agency. Right. And they'll say, hey, like this, these are the deliverables they're looking for two posts, two photos, and a rate. And so it's very similar to like modeling in the sense where modeling, you know, you get reached out to through the agency and there's a rate. And so it's just a different type of work. And it's different because I call it outsource modeling. So we do everything in house. We do the photography, the editing, the copywriting. And I actually like it better than modeling in that sense because I have full control from start to finish. Whereas when you model, you show up on set, they take your photo, and then you don't, you have no say over what that photo looks like in a magazine or on the website. You have no say over it. Wow, no, it makes a lot of sense. So what are the what are the what is the range? I mean, I've heard things that where people are making upwards of twenty or twenty five thousand dollars per post or per set of posts is that is that possible and what's like the going rates in the industry yeah you know i and i'm like totally honest when i say i really i can't speak for other i like i do, i try not to compare myself to other people or hear what other people are doing because i like to price so the way like i like to price um what i do is basically obviously based on followers based on impression based on engagement and then also based on my time so i think you know i think that you have to take that consideration even if you have a very small following you're still putting in a lot of work and you have to value your time so for me i always say like i view my page like a magazine in the sense that it's more important that i have free valuable content on my page but then you have ads in there that are relevant to your magazine that are products you love that you put in there so you know, you, you have to make sure that you're put, so you have to make sure that it's the right rate for you and your time, because otherwise you should be taking that time and putting it towards creating valuable content for your community. Um, so that's how I truly feel, but I do know like the industry has, the rates are everywhere. Like I know someone, or I, I know that someone could have, you know, less followers than me and they might charge more. I know someone who might have more followers than me and charge less. So everyone's valuing what they're doing differently and that's what makes the industry tough is because if you reach out to a brand and you say your rates they may think you're crazy because they're working with someone with double your following who's charging the exact the exact same price so Uh, i got you so there's not like one set there's not one set standard across the board is what you're saying no and i know like a lot of people have said um because you know people talk about this i know people have said like for every ten thousand followers you should charge a hundred dollars or something like that but i think that's a very tough thing to gauge because every campaign has different things so if the campaign has exclusivity or the campaign has different usage like those are all things you need to be taking a look at so um but i know like i read somewhere in an an article that bella thorne charges like eighty thousand dollars for an instagram post and i'm like you go girl (laughs) (laughs) well the the crazy this is this is this is really where it's where advertising and money is going. I mean, you know, the old ways where you put you put an ad out in a magazine and you hope that people see it. Uh, the print is continuing to go away, and, and the social media is continuing to strengthen. It's already strong, but it's continuing to strengthen. And I think these brands are realizing, hey, wait a second, this is even better than putting a, a, a something on TV or in a magazine. Because you're getting instant exposure and you're getting a whole wide variety of audiences, and audience that could actually collaborate, that could communicate with the person that's putting out the content. So it's powerful. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. No, it's a it's a powerful tool for these brands. Yeah, and also too, I think if you're an authentic page and you like, for me, everyone always asks me, "What's your dream brand to work with?" I, you get that question all the time when you're doing an interview or if you're meeting with a management company, they always want to know what's your dream list. And I always tell people as an influencer, my dream brand to work with is brands I already use. So like, for example, like I just did a campaign with secret deodorant. Like I've been using secret deodorant since I've been using deodorant. So for me, they're a dream brand to work with because I already use the product. Like I I'm obsessed with the product. I know it's good, or at least I think it's good. And so I think, when your audience trusts you and they know that 
they, all of, the biggest compliment I get or the biggest comment I see on some of my campaigns is I like, I know that you love this product and so I'm going to get it and I love it too. And then they love it too. And so I think it's important that although it's great to do campaigns with everyone, that you keep your campaigns to products that your followers can genuinely see that you love it and that, and it's a good fit. And so I think right. that for me, that's the number one important thing is that my followers always know if I'm putting something on my page or taking time with my photographer to shoot it, it's because I'm already like, I love it. And, or they've sent it to me and I love it. And that's to me what's so important. Yeah. Yep. The, the authenticity is uh, so important when it comes to branding. And um, that's really cool. I saw that you posted that the other day. That's really neat that you're doing those. So uh, t- before we finish it off, what, what's what's the uh, what's next for for you and Melissa Ekman, Melissa Fit? What's next? <laughs> what's next for this whole whole entire operation over there? That is such a great question. <laughs> <laughs> Besides the, and you're not allowed to say I don't know. We can't use that no, answer. No, you, you know I. So I I struggle with the fact like I'm I'm a big picture thinker, so I'm always thinking what's next, and in this industry. You have to you have to be thinking about what's next. You can't get complacent in an industry that literally changes every thirty days. Like I don't think Instagram is the same month over month, and I don't think your whole career should be based on a social media platform that you don't own. So of course, there's so many other things that go on that aren't on social media. Um, so basically, my other page, Yokespiration, we have it's basically become a built out online platform for as a destination for yoga. We have articles we have a marketplace so i i love working on that and i think that's going to continue to grow for the melissa side personally um definitely doing more videos is something i'm super passionate about something i'm working with getting a videographer to get more videos because i love editing videos but it takes a lot of time um so working on that and then also you know um i've been in the talks of doing working on a podcast uh, which would be a little bit more based around on the side of what I do, which is, you know, digi- the digital side and social media. Um, I love talking to, I love talking to people. So whether it's on video or, you know, over a podcast, I just want to talk more with people. Um, Absolutely. I feel like I have a lot of experience in that industry. Um, and then just continuing to grow the Melissa community off of the digital platform. So, you know, I have a really big email list and a big following on my website. And so just reaching my community more and, you know, doing more with them in real life off of social media. That's absolutely beautiful. That's really cool. It's amazing to see, you know, you hear about the potential with people and following their dreams. And there's this, there's all these ways to make money now. If you leverage the internet, you leverage your talents, you, you leverage the, the hard work and sacrifice. There's ways to make money with the social media. And you hear about it, but you don't really come across a lot of people that are doing it because it is, like you said, so competitive. And uh, it's a hard thing to, to get into. But it's, all, it's also really cool to, to see that it can be done and that you're doing it. So keep doing what you're doing. Um, keep putting out viral content. I'm sure we'll be seeing more. I'm sure we'll be seeing a few more of those uh, this year and the years to come. You're over 300,000 followers on Instagram. So, again, I know you've mentioned it a few times, but give us your Instagram handles, how people could reach you, social media, email, anything that you want to put out there. Yeah, and thank you so much for your kind words. And I feel, you know, the same way about you. I've known you for years, and, um, you know, you're also an inspiration. So I just want to say, you know, keep doing what you're doing with this show. You're reaching so many people, and I love seeing you consistently put out the content every week. So I'm very inspired by you. So I just want to make a point to note that. But if anyone wants to find me, you can find me on Instagram at MelissaFit underscore. It's M-E-L-I-S Fit. Um, you can find me on Facebook, MelissaFit1. Twitter, I love Twitter, uh, MelissaFit underscore the same. And most importantly, if you want to find me anywhere, you can just go to MelissaFit.com and everything is right on there for you. Absolutely incredible. Uh, uh, very inspirational. It's really cool what you've done. Um, and obviously, it sounds like you've got a good a good life partner to thank in, in some of your success as well. If it wasn't for his suggestion, you might not have had that viral photo. So uh, who knows? Yeah, and now you can find my <laughs> tips every week on my page. If you're if you're a beginner, if you're advanced, I, I want to make yoga fun for everybody. <laughs> Absolutely, and you do. So thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll stay in touch. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Take care.
and thank you for listening to another episode of The Optimal Life. Really appreciate the support, and uh, if you guys enjoy what you're listening to and enjoy what you're hearing, as always, please click subscribe and give us the five-star rating so we can continue to elevate the podcast within Apple Podcasts and everywhere else that the podcast is played and provided. And uh, leave us a comment. Leave us feedback. You could. Uh, we're always open to feedback, whether it's positive or negative. So uh, you know, we want to do whatever we can to improve the show. And if there's something that we're missing, then let us know. You could reach me also on Instagram at Nathan Haber. And uh, again, I know that you have a lot of listening options these days. There's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of people sharing different things. So if you are listening to this podcast, and if you're a loyal listener to this podcast, from the bottom of my heart, I want to just say thank you. Uh, Very grateful for that, and uh, we're going to continue providing you guys with the best content possible so that we can continue to live an optimal life and be our optimal and best selves. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks.